Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 10. And this episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money YouTube channel. Yes, another Mapped Out Money thing. Uh, But this is our YouTube channel, and the reason I wanted to talk about that today is because we are talking a lot about budgeting, which if you have not seen, we have tons of budgeting videos, how to create a budget, how to use uh, specific budgeting tools, all kinds of stuff. So um, after today's episode, if you want to check out more detailed videos on how to build a budget and how to build one that works for you, just pop on over to uh, Mapped Out Money on YouTube. All right, Hannah, so what are we talking about today? For episode number 10, we are talking about not 10 things. No, we're talking about 11 things. Yeah. It's a lot of things. So that is a lot of things. So we're going to start the episode talking about five ways that a budget gives you freedom. Basically, we're going to convince you why you should budget if you aren't already. Yeah, Nick's just reliving our first year of marriage. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. This is why we're budgeting. Maybe two years. I don't know. Uh, and we'll then, then we're going to go into six different popular types of budgeting methods because not every budget uh, budgeting not every budgeting method buffets on the brain yeah not every budgeting method uh will work for you and everybody's a little different so we're going to talk about the six most popular methods and uh, hopefully from that you can decide which method you want to give a try yeah we always sometimes people will write you passionate emails about their dislike for YNAB. Yeah. And we always kind of chuckle at them because that's that's totally that's fine. That's fine. That's great. Yeah. We we are not advocating YNAB for everyone. Um so yeah, we think different people different things different for di- strokes. That's right. Different strokes for, for different, different folks. folks. Just ask my meemaw. So, five ways that budgets give you freedom, not take it away. And the reason we're we're calling them that is I think the number one thing people hate about the word budget that makes them cringe is they feel like it's taking away their freedom and it's going to put them in handcuffs and it's going to bind them to only being able to do certain things. And that's not the point at all. Budgets are supposed to give you freedom. And so the number one way is that a budget puts you in control rather than letting you sort of reactively just let your money be in control. You're taking control over your money. Yeah, I think – Especially, like I said, during our first couple of years of marriage, I definitely felt like you were just trying to brainwash me into believing that. Like, oh, yeah, okay, a budget gives you freedom. But it really is so true. Like, if you sit down and decide ahead of time where you want your money to go, what values you have, and how you can use your money to achieve those, you're in control. It's your plan. That's right. It's not somebody else's plan. It's not. And most importantly, it's it's a plan. Like, most of the time, there's just no plan. Yeah. So I think I think, honestly... If I could have one shift, it would be remove the word budget from your vocabulary and just use the word plan. That's, yeah. that's all we're trying to do here. But I do think that that emphasis on your plan, because yeah. I think a lot of people can get tied up in, well, what percentage of my income should be going to this thing over here or that thing over there? And it's like, you should decide that. It doesn't matter what anybody else is spending on things. You have to decide where you want your money to go. Yeah. So, you know, budgets give you control. And I think, you know, one of the things we'll, we'll talk about probably in a bit about how people will track their money is all of a sudden, once you get awareness to where your money's going, uh, you'll start cringing. And that cringe right there, notice that, because that is letting you know that you're not happy with where your money's going. Mm-hmm. So if you look at how much you're spending on eating out or Amazon or Costco or whatever, and you go, ugh, 
that's letting you know something. Whereas if we look at the 400 and something dollars we average monthly for our pets, I don't feel bad about that. Yeah. I'm actually pumped about that because I know that that money is going uh, to our pets, which we have um, been in control and decided ahead of time that that matters to us. And along those lines, I think a budget is really powerful in helping you balance um, enjoying today and, you know, now but also working towards what you want your life to look like in the future. So I think it can be really hard. You know, it's kind of a tug of war there where you're you're kind of constantly thinking, well, am I spending too much now and taking away from my retirement or, you know, whatever in the future? Or am I putting too much towards my retirement and sucking all of the joy and fun out of my today? And you don't want to be on either of those extremes. So I think a budget is a really good way to proactively make sure that you're getting the most out of both. Agreed completely. Okay. So the second way that budgets give you freedom is by giving you a peace of mind. This is more more of the emotional side Mm -hmm. of budgeting, of knowing, hey, we actually have like a solid game plan Mm -hmm. that we can work. And so when something like the coronavirus happens or something like somebody in your family breaks a leg or a medical, you know, emergency or somebody wrecks a car when just life things happen, you have the peace of mind of knowing the finances have already been taken care of, right? The the good thing about, you know, me and you and having a budget that we feel like works so well is that when we have a, a health emergency in the family or the coronavirus or some other crazy life thing, Finance is one thing that's off the table yeah. that we're not really worried about. Yeah. And we can focus our energy on the actual situation at hand. It's not focusing our energy on the situation. Oh, by the way, also your finances are uh, in dire, you know, a, a dire situation because of this. Yeah. And so a lot of people just have no idea where their finances are on that kind of more global scale. But I think even on a smaller scale, I think a lot of people are, you know, swiping the credit card, not knowing whether it's going to be approved or using their debit card, not totally knowing if there's enough money there to cover what it is they're buying. Um, And I mean, yeah, just the emotional turmoil that comes with that and the uncertainty, like it's draining. Well, and and money is is primarily emotional anyways. I mean, yes, it's it's math. But, you know, I I used to always make the joke – and it's not really engineers. It's just that's the industry I used to work in about how engineers are really good with numbers unless you put a dollar sign in front of the number. And then, like, everything goes out the window. And it's because that dollar sign makes it emotional. And, you know, um, one of the things I think we, we, we share here is um, – so if you if you come to mapped.money.com and you, like, check out our website, if you sign up to be on our newsletter and get regular updates from us, um, we're going to send you an email that basically asks, hey, what's your number one? like money struggle. And the overwhelming response that we get is stress. It's the stress that they feel from the money. It's not it's not the actual money that's the problem. It's the stress that's induced. Yeah. What's also interesting is you've had some people for coaching who are very stressed about money and like maybe retirement was sprung kind of unexpectedly on them and they feel just really stressed out about it and they feel unprepared and whatever. And then when they hire you to sit down and actually go through their accounts and like help them lay everything out, they realize that they're totally set. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, wow, I've I've been pre- stressed for no reason. Yeah, yeah what yeah. was I doing? I yeah. was prepared. No, there's there's definitely that side of it. There, you know, it's not always that you're stressed because it's a bad situation. Sometimes you're just stressed because you just it's, don't know. it's unknown. Yeah. yeah, you know, and I, you know, obviously, if you go back and you listen to our previous episodes about our honeymoon, 
you'll know that a big part of, of money in our marriage has been emotional and has caused us stress. And the budget has allowed us to get peace of mind because we now plan for unexpected things to happen. And we plan, basically, we plan for stress-inducing events to happen in our life. And so we budget so what ahead that means of time. Is, yeah, we have a big unexpected expenses category. Yep. We have an emergency fund. And then we have sinking funds for all of those kind of smaller scale, what people would call emergencies, but that we can all expect to happen at some point. Right. The car dying, your appliance is going out, all that type well, of stuff. Well, you know, and, and there's a million examples I could give, but just literally two weeks ago for us, um, we had to take our Airstream to get our routine annual maintenance done. And so they go through a checkpoint list of 48 something things. And uh, that trip we thought was going to be a couple hundred dollars was $1,300. And then um, I took well, our- And to be fair, that was like the 10 year. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, the Airstream's old, yeah. older. Um, so, you know, it wasn't terribly surprising. Mm-hmm. But at the exact same time, and the next week, I took our truck in for its routine normal oil change maintenance. And there were a few things that's wrong with it. Now, of course, we know this. It's a 2001. It has 265,000 miles on the truck. And so we know that the truck's old. So we have that plan in the budget. That ended up being an $800 situation. So, you know, within two weeks, we're $2,100 between the truck and the Airstream. And we didn't have any stress. Yeah, you were cool as a cucumber. Totally cool. Because we plan for all that stuff to happen. It's part of our situation. So we make sure we have budget line items for it. And we're good to go. So all of that plays into the third way that a budget gives you freedom. And that is that a budget gives you more time. Yeah. So it, it gives you more time. Really, kind of in two ways, right? It gives you the mental time because now I'm not mentally spending time thinking about sitting up at night worrying about our finances. I'm able to spend my mental time thinking on other things. And it also like literally gives you time because when you have a system set up and you automate a bunch of your bills and you automate a bunch of your processes and your savings and all that stuff – then you you aren't spending time running around trying to make sure your bills are paid or trying to catch up with your spouse on, hey, did you pay for that or did you buy whatever? You have a budget, you have a system that works, and now all you have to do is just run the system, which will save you a ton of actual literal time. Well, and of course, I think of this in the context of spending. Yeah. So I think the other way that it saves you time is um, saving you the mental gymnastics of like trying to decide whether or not you can buy something. That's a good point. I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. So like when you're out and you find something that you want to buy, you look at the budget and see if you have the money in mine and Nick's case in my like guilt-free spending money. Is the money there? If it's not, I'm not going to buy the thing. If it's not there too, then I can say, okay, well, is this something that I want to save for to buy in a few months? Or is this thing not really that important to me? And if the money is there, it also helps me to go, okay, the money's there, but I won't be able to buy anything else until next month. Is this important enough to me to to spend the money on it? So it really does help you to assess your values in the moment and make those kind of impulse decisions and make them wisely. I think that's a great point. I think that's a great point. I think that just speaks to like how we all use the budget in different ways because – I, Nick's always saving his money for like six months to buy something. He's a big purchase guy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very rarely going to buy something small. Okay. So the fourth way that a budget actually gives you freedom is it gives you breathing room inside of your marriage. So the nice thing about budgeting and, and th- you know, it's tough. And we did a whole, that's why we did a whole series on, on sort of money with your spouse, because there's a lot of communication and, and some tough situations that can go on here. But once you guys do come together and, 
and create a, a plan that you Together. both have agreed that yeah. is important and works. What's fun now is the budget gets to be the bad guy, so to speak, right? So, you know, if you go to TJ Maxx, just like the example you just gave, yeah. and you want to look at your spending money. It's and it, not you telling it's not me, me no. Yeah, it's not me telling you no or vice versa. It's, oh, this plan that we both said is important is telling me that I can't do this other thing because really, I care about the plan. I don't want to say making the budget the bad guy either because then that makes you have like that whole diet mindset around your budget. Okay, yeah. It's really fair. not that. It's really looking and going like, we decided what our values are. I know it's it's just reminding you of yeah, your values. More, that's a better way to say it. Yeah. The budget is a reminder. Yeah, because you get caught up, you know, you get in TJ Maxx. I don't know what it is. It's a magical place. And you just want to buy the stuff. I'm pretty sure they have like drugs in the air conditioning I don't know. or something. I, I don't know. It's great. It's unlike any other store. So you do get caught up. I don't think up. I've ever seen a single brand or store like so universally liked. Special just place. loves TJ Maxx. Special place, man. So, you know, you get in there, you get all swept up in the moment, and you just want to buy all this stuff in the moment. And it is good to be able to pull up YNAB on my phone and go, you know what? I don't want this pair of shoes more than I want to retire someday or more than I want a rental property or yeah. more than I want to or be able to like feed the trip our that we're planning dogs for. great yeah. food. Yeah. So, yeah, it reminds me, we have all of these other priorities, and I want to make sure that... My impulse spending is not preventing us from achieving all of those other values. The other, the other thing about a, a plan in and how it gives you breathing room in the marriage is it allows you to make sure that you're planning for both people's wants, mm -hmm. right? And it allows you, it gives you like this this tangible thing to make sure that both people in the marriage have some say so, uh, and and both people are getting to voice their opinion. And so, you know, we had a lady who emailed us, has been probably over a year ago now, who emailed us and basically said she was having trouble getting her husband to even really talk about the finances and mm -hmm. about money. She had all these sort of ambitions around making sure that they were saving adequately for the future and building an emergency fund. And then, you know, also doing some fun things like planning for trips and things like that. But she just could not get her husband to talk about this. And, um, you know, Hannah and I basically, I, I kind of wrote her an email back, but basically just sharing how you and I came together around money, which was empathy and having a lot of empathy for the other person and trying to see things from their perspective and try to see what they actually care about. And uh, I didn't really hear back from her for a long time. And eventually she emailed back and said, hey, I just want to let you know, like that advice really worked. And basically what she did is she talked with her husband and um, basically knew that some of the things he really cares about are like seeing new movies. Like he really, really loves going to the movies. And then also he cared about um, making sure that uh, he really wanted to get like the new, I think the, at the time is the new Xbox that was coming out. Right. And so for her, it was like literally all we had to do was just talk about how, Hey, if we budget, we can, we can actually afford to a plan to set aside money and make sure we can purchase the new Xbox when it's ready. And if we go on uh, Cheap Movie Tuesday or whatever it was in their town, we can afford to go to the movies two or three times a month easily. 
Mm-hmm. So like almost every Tuesday now, if they wanted to, they maybe they don't always go, but the money's there to go. She was like, the second that we were proactively budgeting for that stuff, he was like all on board with the budget because now he w- wasn't going to feel guilty about going. He wasn't going to feel guilty about talking to her about it. Yeah, he wasn't going to come in from going to see a movie and her get mad at him. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so everybody wins in that situation. And she was like, it was amazing. Like he all of a sudden we're, we're now like starting to have better conversations about the future and about money and we're starting to see each other's perspective well and that you know kind of plays into the awareness piece right and not being clueless about your finances and because i think a lot of times especially in marriage i think we've all experienced where you have some blow blowout argument yeah and two days later you can't remember what it was over you know it was like no big deal well that same kind of thing happens in our budget when we don't have a level of awareness around it because you might think that there's no way to fit all of these things into your budget, like him going to the movies and buying an Xbox and whatever. But when you actually sit down and map out your money, (laughs) you can see that, oh, we can go, he can go to the movies on cheap Tuesdays. And that's, that's really not interfering with us doing all of these other things. Yeah. So yeah, you can figure out a way to allocate that money in a way that fits everything in. And again, it just, it allows you to, know ahead of time. I think the other piece here is it gives you awareness to the other person's stuff. So, you know, I think one thing that's a real eye opener in marriage, um, especially as a as a guy, is um, just how much money can go to, let's call it personal hygiene for women, right? Like, like makeup and cosmetics and things like that. And razors and all that, that was very surprising to me. At the same time, the amount of food that I ate. <laughs> I love that you put razors in there. It's just funny because you have your huge beard. Well, I have so a huge of course, beard. you've never thought about of razors. Of course, I don't think about razors. But, um, but like, I think for your perspective, when we bought groceries early on in our marriage, you were like, oh my gosh, you're eating that much. You know what I mean? Like, I think. Yeah, for a long you're time, I couldn't, at me like buy, I'm I couldn't here. buy nice things. I couldn't buy nice groceries. What? Like, if I bought any sort of higher quality anything that's like, not that big of a deal because I would eat one of them oh, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You would eat five. I'd eat 10. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. our grocery budget would be like through the roof. Yeah. I was like, my gosh, what are you doing over there? So I think, I think again, it's just important to recognize differences as men and women, but also tendencies and what you like. The budget gives you awareness to what everybody's doing and why everybody's doing it that way because you would spend – you know, the amount of money that you would spend on razors, which is a great example because I don't buy razors. Uh, I'm like, geez, are really? Are they that expensive? But I just didn't know because yeah. I don't shave. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. And I want to clarify earlier, I said like fit everything into your budget. And we all know you can't fit everything into sure. your budget because we have a finite amount of money. But the point that we keep trying to hit on with a budget is that you can incorporate all of your key values. So like when you get solid and really clear on those values, then you can figure out how to fit all of those in your budget. So not everything, but your values. No, but I mean, that's that's the perfect segue into number five, um, which is budgets make you extremely effective. There you go. It's almost like we've talked about this before we hit record. It is almost like that. But to be totally truthful, I didn't have that planned. Well, good. Look, look at that. So um, effective. The definition. Got to get a definition in here. I know. You love this definition. <laughs> the The definition of effective, right, is to be successful at producing an intended result. Boom. How do budgets make you effective? Well, they make you effective because if you sit down and think about the things that matter most to you in your life, right, whatever those are, a budget is a way to make sure 
that you do that. And mm-hmm. one of the points I always make in uh, when I'm talking to folks is, look, if you add up every single dollar you're ever going to make in your whole life, it's going to be a number, right? It might be a big number. It might be a really small number. It might be a medium number. But even Bill Gates, it's going to be a number and it's going to be finite. And so if you were to look back and have like a picture of every single dollar that you ever made and where those dollars went, are you happy with how you spent that money? And did you use that money in the most effective way possible to get the things that you care about the most? And I, and I think that's the important point. What we say all the time is like, what you care about is different than what me and Hannah care about. And I, that doesn't, that there's no judgment from me. I don't care about any of that. I want to make sure that you spend as many of your dollars as humanly possible towards the thing that truly matter to you. Yeah. And um, like for us, you know, like I do like TJ Maxx and I do like going to TJ Maxx and being able to buy whatever random thing I like every once in a while. But the fact is, I don't want a lot of my money to be going to that, you know, like $15 here or there. Okay. But if I spend hundreds of dollars that way a month, I don't value it that much. No. Yeah. And and for us and for you, I know that for you, like you would rather that money go elsewhere. Oh, I yeah. mean, j- even just this last month, I think we spent around $400. Now we don't do this every month, obviously, but we spent around $400 on like health stuff. Like we we bought a new workout program. We you got some uh, um, some new equipment type stuff. Yeah, we stuff. got like a, some rubber band things, workout bands. Functional fitness bands. That's right. Um, we're also going to probably buy you a new pair of running shoes next month. Yeah. And so like, do you want more trinkets from TJ Maxx or do you want to pour a lot of money into our health and fitness so that we can do more hikes and physically um, get around easier, you know, throughout our life and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And when we think about it, that stuff just matters more. Yeah. Health is one of our our big values. So we want our money to be going there. That's right. So one of the the last things to kind of tie up this point five here is I don't want to I don't want to quote the research incorrectly, but it's it's pretty well documented that anywhere between 40 and 60 percent of your daily decisions around everything that you do is based on habits and based on previous decisions. And so this is decisions that don't impact your finances, like the pant leg that you put on first or which shoe you tie first, all the way to actual financial decisions like uh, where you go out to eat, what types of clothing you buy, the brands that you buy, where you shop, all that kind of stuff. It's where you send your kids to school. Where you send your kids to school. Yeah, like, like big decisions. The neighborhoods you are going to live in, the cities you're going to consider living in, all this stuff. It's it's based largely on your previous habits and then also largely based on the habits of other people around you, which means that you're not consciously deciding what to do with every single dollar. And what a budget does is when you make a proactive plan, it forces you to decide what to do with those dollars before you subconsciously slip into, well, I just always eat here. I just always order food from here or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Well, if we're all sold on a budget, why don't we move on and talk about the six most popular ways to budget? All right. So the first most popular, and honestly, this is the number one popular way to budget. And Nick Um, would like to clarify, this is not an option. Yeah, it's not an option, but it's the most (laughs) popular way, which is not budgeting. Okay. That's the yeah. most popular budget. It's not budgeting. And uh, that's what <laughs> makes, most people do. Makes Nick cry at night. It does. It makes me makes me cry yeah. thinking about all the people living their life without a budget. I know. So, uh, I mean, you know, the bottom line is most people live their life looking at their bank account balance. 
And when they want to buy something, they ask two questions. One, can I make the monthly payment? Or if it's a one-time purchase, do I physically have the money in my bank account? Or even worse than that, do I have the amount available on my credit card? Yeah. Right? Um, That's how most people live their life. And there are some people who can do that and not be terribly financially off. But I would argue that well, even most people if you, who can do that and not be terribly financially off just don't buy anything. Right, they're frugal. But I would argue that even that person isn't doing number five from the last list, right, which is they're not using their money effectively yeah. in their most um, efficient way possible to mm-hmm. get their values because mm-hmm. they're not consciously deciding. So we'll, we'll get off my soapbox here. Uh, the number one popular way to budget is by not budgeting. Don't, don't do, that. do that. Don't be that person. <laughs> okay. The second most popular way to budget, and I don't know if these are actually ordered. I don't know if this is technically the second most popular way, but it's our second, which is uh, the anti-budget. And it's something that I had learned about from uh, Paula Pant. I used to read her website all the time when I was first getting into finance. Her website is called Afford Anything, which we love uh, because her tagline is, you can afford anything, you just can't afford everything, which perfectly aligns with everything that we were just talking about. So... How does the anti-budget work? Uh, Here's what you do. You're going to want to set up a couple of bank accounts. Uh, Number one is a checking account. Number two is a savings account. And number three is a, it's another checking account, a second checking account. And so what happens is, is your money gets dumped into the first checking account from your job and you immediately automate the savings that you have pre-calculated that you need to do whatever it is you want to do, right? If you're saving for a home, saving for a car, saving for a vacation, you need to sit down and figure out how much money you want to save and immediately automate that to where um, when it hits the bank account, boom, it goes, goes to the savings account. Next, you need to automate the bills. So your mortgage, your subscriptions, your phone, your utilities, all your bills. You're going to automate that a second deposit leaves the checking account, goes to the second checking account. And then whatever money is left in that main checking, that's what you get to live on for the rest of the month. And you can buy whatever you want to with it, but the second that you run that money down, you're done. So this anti-budget method basically makes it to where you don't have to use a tool or a spreadsheet or anything like that. You're still living by the bank account balances. You're just automating your bills and you're automating your savings to where you can live by the bank account and know that you're fine. Yeah. I think this could be a really good place for people to start. Like if you're not used to having any sort of budget at all. um, And this is kind of more of the mindset that I came into our marriage with. Yeah. Um, But then it's like we've talked about, you know, things, habits growing on themselves and like kind of piquing your interest more and more. Um, I did start to see the value in learning to be more effective with our money. So I didn't want to just have a bulk of money sitting there that we're just spending mindlessly. On whatever. Yeah, I wanted us to decide ahead of time, how do we want to use that? Yeah, I think the anti-budget method works really well for naturally frugal people, mm-hmm. especially. Um, but if you want to be hyper-efficient or you have spending, like you got some trouble with spending, um, I think that there might be some better methods. Yeah. This also, this method seems like it could get pretty hairy in marriage too. Like, oh, well, whoever goes out and spends it the fastest, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. oh, it's oh, all gone it's this gone. month. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, yeah. You, you definitely have to be careful with yeah. that one. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, number three is the tracking budget, which I, I think is probably what most people do or what most people kind of think of as a budget when they get started. 
which is basically you just hook up all of your bank accounts to something like Mint.com or, you know, QuickBooks or something like that. And you basically just make sure you're tracking everything and then you kind of look at it once a month. And then maybe in so hindsight often. go, oh, I'm glad I did that or, ooh, yep. I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Yep. But it's not deciding ahead of time. Right. It's not. It, it would be a reactive way to budget, which, again, yeah. I think um, obviously we're biased. You guys can all tell listening to this we're biased. But I think this works really well for, again, naturally frugal people um, who kind of know that they're already spending and somewhat aligned with their values. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're trying to make changes to your habits, um, I think a tracking budget may not be powerful enough to do it. Well, and again, I think when you have multiple people involved in your budget, so when you when it's you and your spouse and kids and you know whatever else you've got going on, I think a reactive budget doesn't quite cut it for those scenarios yeah, most of the time. You'd have to be if you're going to go this route, I think the caveat would be you need to be in heavy communication if you're married and heavy communication with your spouse regularly about the tracking budget and be looking at it regularly and making adjustments, Mm -hmm. you know, as needed. Um, If it's truly going to give you that freedom that you want, right? Mm -hmm. And making sure it aligns with your values. All right. What's the uh, fourth way we can budget? The fourth way would be a percentage-based budget, which I actually like uh, percentage-based budgets. I just don't like the way a lot of people execute them. Mm -hmm. So we we use a percentage-based budget in our business. Um, We know that for every dollar the business makes, uh, our current percentages are uh, 7% for profit, 63% for paying ourselves, uh, 18% for taxes, and then uh, 12% for operating expenses. Mm-hmm. And like I know those, and I know as dollars comes in, I can perfectly allocate it. And you can do the same thing on your personal side, right? You could do you know housing percentage, food percentage, tra- transportation percentage, fund percentage, and savings percentage. I think where people go wrong yeah. with this is when they start focusing on what their percentages should be yep. or based on what other people's yes. percentages are. Yeah. And I think when you Google percentage-based budget, a lot of people will go, okay, well, like, what's average? Mm-hmm. Okay, average is, you know, this much on food or this much on housing. Okay, well, first off, that's going to vary drastically from city to city. Mm-hmm. That's going to vary drastically Well, from, but I guess people would argue that's, that's the percentage that's the point. piece. What do you mean? I mean, like... Your income is going to vary. So if you're in a higher cost of living city, you're going to have a higher income probably for not the necess- same job. Not necessarily, though. Like, I'm not trying to be argumentative, but like... He's disagreeable. I'm disagreeable. Um, <laughs> but a percentage of your housing budget, if you live in San Francisco, legitimately will be higher because the cost of living to income is not perfectly matched to living in Gadsden, Alabama. Yeah. Anyways, that's a side note. So the, the the place that people go wrong is by comparing their percentages to somebody else's percentages. So if you want to use a percentage-based budget, which I like, the key is you need to sit down and determine your percentages of what you feel comfortable with. When you think about all the money coming in and you think about, okay, if I'm saving 20%, am I happy with that number or am I not? If I'm spending 10% on like just straight up fun stuff, am I happy with that? Am I not? If I'm spending 30% on housing, am I happy with that? Am I not? Because it's it's all about your personal preferences. Yeah. And what goals you have. And what goals you have, yeah. right? That That's a big, big piece of it. All right. So the fifth way uh, that you could budget uh, is cash envelopes, cash money, dollars, yeah. physical, real life papyrus. And if... Anybody out there suffers from empty hand syndrome like I do, 
You do not want to go with this method. There's lots of people that use this method and it works. And yeah. you know what? It will work. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if you go get cash out of the bank and you only let yourself spend cash for the pre-allocated envelope. And you don't have empty hand syndrome where you just set where things down. Where you just down. leave it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it will It will absolutely work for you. Yeah. There's, there's zero percent wrong with this budget. The only thing I don't like about this budget is that most people won't stick with it. Yeah, just because it's inconvenient. Yeah, that's my only complaint. Yeah. That's my only complaint. And so I love the methodology. It is super proactive. It is as, as you know, it's probably the most proactive you can get. It's just cumbersome. Mm -hmm. And for you listening, so now we've talked through, you know, not the first one, but now we've talked through four legitimate budgeting options. We'll talk about the last one here in a second. You should be trying to think about how can you balance a budgeting type that will help you hit your goals and a budgeting type that you will stick with? Because the cash envelope method will help anybody hit their goals. A lot of people will not stick with it. So therefore, they should consider something else. Yeah. And we would tell you that for like YNAB versus... Mint or every dollar or envelopes or... Well, that or... Um, crap. Anti-budget? Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So... If the anti-budget is something you think you'll stick with, I would rather you do that than do a really proactive approach, but not stick with it. Which brings us to the sixth budgeting type. This is the type that Hannah and I use, which is a digital envelope system. So it's it's cash envelopes, but done digitally. Uh, there are a couple of tools that do this. YNAB, which stands for Unit to Budget, and uh, Envelopes, envelopes uh, are two apps that do this really well. Uh, YNAB, personally, I think a little bit better. Um, you could also build out a spreadsheet. I mean, I've seen people build Excel spreadsheets that do this. Um, but the idea of a digital envelope system is you are saying, I get paid this much money and we are going to proactively allocate how much for this thing, how much for that thing, how much for this thing, how much for that thing. Make sure we're setting aside money for our goals. Make sure we're planning for retirement. It is it is as proactive as, as you can get. Yeah. Uh, it's just done digitally. So um, that's our method of choice. If you couldn't tell, we're we're big on the effectiveness and the efficiency piece, which is the main reason that we choose YNAB. And well, and what I really like about it is that it allows both of us to make informed decisions in the moment. Yeah. So you know, you don't have to figure out how much money you have sitting at home in your envelope right. or or whatever. It just it's so much easier for us both to be able to pull up our budget on our phones when we're out somewhere and know exactly how much we have budgeted to that and know that it's updated real time um, as long as we put in our purchases. Yeah, well, and like I said earlier, it saves you time because um, once we got through all the initial setup, we, we aren't worried about thinking through like, oh, what bill's coming up? Do we have enough money in the account for that? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just there. It's all yeah. there. We know exactly what's going on. We know whether or not we're sit, we're good uh, and we're ready to rock and roll. So, um, yeah, if I, could, if I could tie a bow on this whole kind of section on the budgeting types, I think it really is threading that, that perfect needle of the system that's going to help you out and the system you're going to stick with. You can absolutely be financially successful with any of these systems. The key is finding the one that fits your personality and the one that um, you're going to actually stick to, ultimately. All right, so Hannah, before I recap this episode, why don't you share with us one thing that uh, you are budgeting for because you like it? Okay, so our Stuff We Like segment. That's right. I don't know if it's the coronavirus or what, but I like the idea of running a race 
And in particular, we've kind of got our eye on a half marathon, which I do think that's the that's the coronavirus. That is definitely the coronavirus. Itch in in. Yeah. I know. It better end before we start looking well, at a full we marathon. We ran a half marathon a couple of years back, and after it, we were like, "That was fun. Not sure we'll Maybe do that we'll again." Maybe we'll just stick to like ten k's or five yeah. k's. But I think we've been so cooped up that you're like, "I, I need to run." We're far. getting that itch. I know. Who knows if we'll even be able to I do know. a make race it, in and the make near it canceled future. by the it time. May. But we'll see. Yeah, Anyways, we'll see. so that's kind of we we're we looking have at like a, this marshy, woodsy trek type half marathon thing. Yeah, trail, trail, run. trail marathon. Yep, half marathon, not a real full marathon. No, um, but yeah, so that's what we're budgeting for. And then running shoes. We're both going to need running shoes. Yeah, in there, you so. sooner than me, but me yeah. too. Yep. So yeah, that's so what that's we what like. we're liking, and that's what we're budgeting for. and budgeting for. Mm-hmm. All right. So to recap, the main reasons we think that you should budget. And how budgets give you freedom is because a budget gives you control, a budget gives you peace of mind, a budget gives you more time, it gives you breathing room inside your marriage, and it makes you extremely effective. And I do want to I want to throw on a little bonus here because it gives you flexibility. It does. So the the reasons that Nick and I have been able to make changes in our life and change directions with careers and housing situations and all that type of stuff. Um, And the reason why we've been able to take temporary pay cuts in the midst of making some of these transitions um, is because we had a budget and we knew where our money was going and we knew how we could use it most effectively. Well, and this kind of ties into what you said earlier of sometimes people don't even know where they're at, so they don't even know if they're in a good or a bad position. And they'll just assume that things are impossible. Yep. I think that a lot of people stay immobile because of that. Mm -hmm. And when you know your numbers and you know, okay, this is how much we need to live our life for fun, meaning like this is our fun number, and then we know like this is how much we need to live if we go bare bones. Mm -hmm. When you know those numbers and you know them off off the top of your head, you can make decisions around big life changes uh, and you can make those decisions confidently. Yeah. All right. So if you haven't started a budget yet, uh, we would encourage you to give it a try. Yeah. We hope that you're feeling inspired to embrace being a noob from uh, last week and start your budget. Start your budget. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll see you next week. See you later. (laughs) 